0: morning liberty
1: <laughs> well what is going on all of our liberty loving friends welcome back to another fantastic episode of good morning liberty it's dumb bleep of the mother truckin week i have to say that one because my mom is listening today and two this might go on the radio
2: yeah it will go i always put dumb bleep on there yeah so it so have there. say
1: mother truckin
2: you didn't say that your name was charlie
1: I didn't yet, because I was talking about censoring myself Okay, for the FCC. Censorship
2: in the first minute. For the FCC.
1: Okay. Yeah, exactly.
2: Name's Chuck. What's up, Chuck? How's it going? E-P-O-P. Good good to meet you. Yeah. Good to meet you, Charlie. With me, as
1: always, Nathaniel Paul Dumbleep of the Week Thurston.
2: That is my given name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. thank, Thank you, everyone, for being here. This is our most popular episode of the week. We've got a lighter episode, not really... Number one has like six things in it, but we've only got we've only got eight to vote on. technically, technically. Yep. And number number eight has like 15 slides associated with it. So um, there's still plenty of things to talk about. We're not going to have any problems when it comes to that. Let's get it going. I did everything right (laughs) and they indicted me. This is a response to a Ben Shapiro post. It's a response posted by Gretchen Carlson. Gretchen Carlson used to be an anchor on Fox News. I believe she was let go because of her stance on guns. At least that's how the movie made it seem. Uh, that uh, Have you seen that Bombshells movie? No. It's a really good movie. You should watch that. Okay, It's, it's good stuff. Um, anyway, she's not at Fox News anymore. Uh, ben Shapiro is posting a clip about how he won't give up his AR-15. Not a clip, actually. It's the full episode, and he's not going to give it up. And uh, Gretchen Carlson says, ordinary people didn't have AR-15s before 2004. That's when the federal assault weapons ban ended, by the way. Mm-hmm. So before 2004, ordinary people just weren't, like in all time in the history of the United States, ordinary people weren't allowed to have those. This is someone who used to be an anchor on Fox News. They're not some time-honored American tradition. They're a recent mistake- that we could fix and save thousands of lives in the process. There are so many things wrong wrong inside of that. You'd have to find the thousands of lives that are killed by our AR-15s and you wouldn't even be able to do that. Um, Some time-honored American tradition. It is an American tradition that the people have weapons like the military does, because the whole purpose of us being able to have guns is so we can hold off the tyrannical Mm -hmm. government. So that is a time-honored American tradition. And then there's the whole people didn't have AR-15s before 2004.
1: I mean, Remington has been making 223s for a long time.
2: Well, there's the the AR, the, um. let me see. I believe this goes back to something around 1959 or so. And then they got really popular in the 60s or 70s. I did look up something, just a real quick thing. Um, two, This talks about them becoming a household name. Two lines of rifles, the ak 47 And Colt's AR-15 became two leading models of semi-automatic military-style rifles in the 1960s and 70s. Um, I do think they came out in the 50s, though, originally, although that could have been something like an AR-7 or 10 or whatever. Uh, Thanks to U.S. law, civilians had access only to the semi-automatic versions of these rifles. And they just go through how everyone was able to get them until 1994. Bill Clinton signed the assault weapons ban, which outlawed the sale of AR-15s didn't take away all the AR-15s or semi-automatic rifles that people had at that time. It just outlawed the sale of newly built AR-15s for 10 years, and then the ban expired. Now, they weren't as popular before the ban as a percentage of the guns that people were buying. I said this on Monday, I think, when you you were sick on Monday, um, but I actually think that the assault weapons ban had a reverse effect from what people wanted. I think that it made people want to go out and get these rifles after they were not no longer banned, more so than they wanted oh, the to before him. Sales
1: increased exponentially.
2: Yeah, so the the these are sales as a percentage of well, actually these aren't sales; these are production. Uh, so a percent of U.S. guns produced during that ban. Uh, you were more around three percent before the ban. You were like around two percent of U.S. guns produced before they were banned. So yeah, they so weren't even
1: while they were banned. It was still going up,
2: <laughs> and then while they were banned, it still increased from about probably
1: because they were preparing for when the ban yeah, ended.
2: For about two and a half up to four percent while they were banned, and then from that point on, they really started to to shoot up. And I actually think that it is because of the ban. That these guns became so popular, oh, of course. But uh, Gretchen Carlson is just flat out wrong that people didn't have them before this. No, they weren't as they weren't as common, but people had them. Yeah. So,
1: so that was a dumb.
2: <laughs> so that's uh, that's a dumb. That's part of dumb bleed oh. number one. Okay. That's part one of six of don't well, number she, one.
1: She made a dumb mm-hmm. and then other people made a dumb about
2: AR-15. And then now here's the uh, the fine folks over at The View. Whew. This is them talking after the shooting. a great
1: screenshot. Blow that up. Of course,
2: saying things. How many
1: opiates is she on?
2: <laughs> wow. Actually, I would guess probably a lot, but I'm just making that up. I have no clue whatsoever. Um. Here's what they had to say. Look at those eyes about AR-15s.
1: Sarah didn't get a chance to weigh in on the uh, topic
0: of what happened in Maine and AR-15s. Yeah, I, I would love to see an assault weapons ban, like President Reagan. I don't believe they're a sport or hunting um, uh, instrument. It's like shooting fish in a bucket, but that's my. But take. also, if you shoot with an AR-15, let's say you shoot it's a deer, you, you can't can. eat it.
2: What? Uh, okay, hold on. We'll 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 go back. We'll go back a little bit. But yeah. first off. Why does an AR-15 make the situation like shooting fish in a bucket, whereas another gun wouldn't be shooting... Fi- I only
1: shoot fish in a barrel. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, well, we're talking about buckets yeah, right now. I and don't you got really, fish yeah. in a bucket. To me, that pertains more to the environment that you're shooting things in. Like, it's different if you're shooting fish in a bucket as opposed to a barrel or as opposed to the ocean or yeah. a lake or something. So su- shooting fish... In a bucket, as she said, would be like when you're talking about killing people in a small enclosed space, like they're all right there and you can just kind of shoot and hit someone. I don't know what the AR-15 has to do with that. Like, it seems like any gun would work like shooting fish in a bucket in yeah. a small area. Well,
1: except for like a musket.
2: Like that. Thing. <laughs> you know, single load. Okay, here we go. Well, well then I, they said if
1: you shoot them all, you, well, that's, you can't even eat
2: them. Yeah, that's, you know? I'm going to back it up a little bit so we yeah, can hear that. You
1: can't even, you like this yeah. gold, that's and that's because these magazines they're producing now hold a million trillion.
2: Well, and one round. Million, let's trillion,
1: hear them Let's
0: hear
2: them say it.
1: Emptying,
0: um, uh, instrument, it's like shooting fish in a bucket. But that's my. But thing. also, if you shoot with an AR-15, let's say you shoot it's a deer, deer you chicken. can't eat it <laughs> because you basically in addition to that. But the hunt yeah. is about uh, an actual difficult.
1: That's actually not true. <laughs> it's not true at all. If you shoot a deer with an AR-15, you're not going to blow it up. <laughs> just it actually make a really small hole
2: the confidence with which see, she says this oh, like no. you if you shoot a deer with an AR15 you can't eat it you're going to demolish the animals
1: it's, <laughs> it's, it's actually not true oh
2: all right anyway uh well and
1: bailey makes a good point if you shoot fish in a bucket you're going to lose all the
2: water that's in there oh yeah you don't want to do then yeah. it just be i mean you kill all the fish uh-huh. then so that's mean Okay, then we have Kamala Harris. She's talking about um, what we should do. And she's in Australia because for some reason they had her come talk in Australia. And it's really what she says at the end of this clip right here. Uh, So let's just start halfway through.
0: To local authorities. And as we gather details, we must continue to speak truth about the moment we are in. In our.
2: And the truth about the moment is that it is the moment that we are in. Yes. And it is true. (laughs) Today,
0: the leading cause of death of American children is gun violence.
2: No, the leading cause of death are injuries from guns, technically, for children in America, as long as you... Cut off the age at the specific spot. They actually, I, I think they go up to 18 on this one. And so, anyway, they start to grab people who are technically adults. Uh, but no, it's um, injuries from guns, and half of those are suicides. Yeah. So she and says, most
1: are handguns.
2: Yeah. She, the way most, yeah. way, way most of them are, are handguns, and half of them are suicides. So when she says the leading cause of death is gun violence. Um, some of that violence is violence perpetrated by yourself, to yourself, but whatever.
0: The leading cause of death of American children is gun violence. Gun violence has terrorized and traumatized so many of our communities in this country. And let us be clear, it does not have to be this way as our friends in Australia have demonstrated.
2: All right. So that's the vice president of the United States talking about Australia. Uh, do you, I always go back to this, Charlie, but at one point in time you were called a fear-monger for saying that they wanted to take your guns. Uh-huh. You know, you remember that? Yep. And now you got the vice president of the U.S. using Australia as her example mm-hmm. for how it doesn't have to be this way yeah. anymore. Right. Uh,
1: that way, they can control us the way Australia government yeah. controlled their citizens during the COVID lockdowns. There's yeah. one thing.
2: Yep. Yeah. So much easier to control population. And then you got Australia who had like two mass shootings before they got before they did their gun mandatory gun buyback program that they did. Um, don't quote me on that specific number. I'm probably uh, exaggerating that just a little bit. It was probably one. Um, but the <laughs> the other thing we don't have I to doubled go doubled it. We don't have to go into why this would (laughs) work better in a place like Australia, but a couple things you could say, not that we're even going to consider ever doing this in the U.S. or that it would ever even be possible. Uh, If you're going to take an island that has the population of the state of California and say that you're going to control the guns in that population, it would be way easier to do that than in a place that has uh, 10 times the amount of people, uh, a 2,000 mile long border, that's got like 50 miles of fence on it. And, um, you know, it's just way, way harder thing to do. Not that we would ever even consider doing that because it would be impossible in the first place to even try and do. There's freaking 450 million guns out there or whatever the number is. not she just riveting, by the
1: way? Like every speech she gives,
2: So good. Just,
1: I can't stop
2: listening. She's technically the number two most popular person behind Joe Biden when it comes to who should run for for, uh, president. All right, then we got this girl. Um, I don't, uh, Alison, maybe? Ali, Ali Samarco, Samarco? Uh, 15 seconds here of her spoiling parts of your brain. And so she says that banning weapons of war on the street isn't about infringing on you, it's about protecting you. Mm. So imagine
0: you're in a bowling alley with a handgun and a perpetrator walks in with a military style weapon and a bulletproof vest. There's literally no way you're gonna be able to defend yourself. Banning these weapons of war on the street isn't about infringing on you, it's about protecting you.
1: The confidence okay. in which these people speak. Yeah. Just look, if somebody walks in with a bulletproof vest mm-hmm. and a military style rifle, even if you've got a handgun, there's not there's nothing you can do. There's literally nothing you can do.
2: So there's one thing this is a thing. Well, that-
1: thanks, Alyssa. <laughs> Alyssa M. Marco.
2: The opposite world now she is pretending like the world that she would create or people that think like her would create is that you wouldn't have your gun maybe you'd even have your handgun but then that guy wouldn't walk in because he wouldn't be allowed to have that gun Mm-mm. you know but the actual world is imagine you're in a bowling alley and you have a handgun and a guy walks in with an ar-15 and what are you going to do to defend yourself her other real option is imagine you're in a bowling alley. And you don't have a gun at all. And a guy walks in with an AR-15. That's the real world that she's proposing because the government can't get all of the guns off the street. So I don't like pretending like that's even an an option and playing that game Mm -hmm. with her. Um, Also, there is something like it's not like a bulletproof vest is just has anyone ever been killed wearing a bulletproof vest? Charlie, do you think it's just like, oh, I put this on, I can go into war and not worry about anything, you know? Yeah. Like, no, there's still there's places. There's places where you can get hit. I guarantee you, people have been killed while they're wearing a bulletproof vest. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you could even slow the person down, or maybe even scare the crap out of them, something like that. She responds because a lot of people said things that we did. She says, literally the replies on this show, how many Republican men actually think that they could actually take out a shooter with an AR-15 with zero training? And what her her alternative option is that you stay there and you wait like fish in a bucket <laughs> until the cops get there or the guy decides to leave.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. What's your plan, Allie? You're going to yeah. hold small children in front of you <laughs> as you make your way to the exit? Is that your plan? Yeah, oh. I'm glad that these people are outing themselves though. Yeah. You know? Oh, sure. So you just put you just put her on a list. <laughs> a person I would never talk to.
2: There you go. She's on a list. <laughs> yeah, you made Charlie's list. Yeah. That's tough to do, you know. Yeah, Matt
1: Gates. Do you know how many guns she probably could get? By the way, with the amount of Botox.
2: That oh she yeah, she could have a whole arsenal. Yeah. She could in have there. She could have gun safes full of guns. The question, you see, she's not worried about this because her <laughs> face is bulletproof. <laughs> All right, number two is uh, Matt Gates. <laughs>
1: Oh. I know how much botox is unfortunately cuz I have paid for way too you've much of it. You paid for
2: a lot of it. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Man. Okay, Matt Gates, go ahead Charlie. Number 2.
1: Oh, so now okay, so that was all.
2: That was all number 1. Was all Sorry. Dumb one. AR15s. Okay. Mm-hmm. All
1: right. Mm. Number 2, Matt Gates, he says, Israel is a land with a 4000-year connection to our faith. Ukraine is a former Soviet state. These are not the same thing and should be considered independently.
2: Okay. So as a sitting U.S. congressman and you're deciding how the U.S. government is going to spend money to fund or not fund wars around the world, you're going to take people's tax money and you're going to decide to support or not support different war efforts around the world. I'm not sure that I'm cool with... um, the connection to the Bible being a reason that you would use as a U.S. congressman to decide that one is different than the other. Maybe there are other more strategic reasons, or maybe you could just not support either one of them with people's money or whatever. But I do not like the idea that someone who is in the U.S. government literally coming out and saying, well, this is connected to our Christian faith. And so therefore we must defend Israel with your money. But Ukraine has nothing to do with our religious Christian faith. And so therefore we should not use your money to do anything.
1: Yeah, we shouldn't. (laughs) Yeah. What are you feel like you're ordained by God to (laughs) steal people's money and get involved in a war? It's like, I'm not saying that I'm not for like Israel. I mean, I, I personally believe, you know, that it is the land that, Jesus walked, but these people have been fighting about this for thousands of years. Is it my place? I mean, even if
2: you're religious or not religious, I think think there is historical, uh, fact that it is the land that Jesus walked. Even if you're, you know, believe son of God or not son of God, but dude named Jesus.
1: But does, you know, is like, I don't know. I think the gospel is, is different than, than defending a, a land. Yeah. I don't, to me, it just doesn't make sense. How does this further, let's, let's talk purely Christian here. How does this further the kingdom of heaven? You know, we gotta, we gotta kill all the people who don't believe Mm. and Uh, make sure that a certain group of people retain. I don't understand that.
2: Well, it's also a weird thing. Like, let's just say that you're looking at this as a Christian. Well, like the people on this land deserve for our money to go towards them to defend their right to life liberty and property but the people on the other land because it's not our holy land well they don't deserve our money to go protect them you know from from their invasion by by Russia yeah just I don't I, I am not cool with the u.S strategic military decisions and taxpayer money decisions being based on the religious significance of a piece of dirt on the other side of the world. Yeah. That's, that's, that's not, that's kind of dangerous in my opinion, because how far will you go to protect that? You know? Yeah. Anyway, that's dumb number two. I don't know if you agree if that's dumb. No, I agree with not.
1: that. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, and then it's like, so what the innocent Jews are more important than innocent Ukrainians. And I'm not for either one of them. Mm. I hate war. Yeah. I hate death. I don't, and I, and on top of that, America shouldn't be involved in any of them. Yeah. I am, I am bring all the troops home, kind of libertarian. You know, let's defend America, not everyone else. And it seems as if,
2: as we talked about
1: yesterday, Israel's in a pretty good financial position to defend themselves. And I'm pretty sure that their military is a bit better than Hamas last Mm -hmm. I checked. I mean, it seems. It seems as if they actually have planes they're not at least paragliders.
2: A, we talked <laughs> yesterday. They're at least in a good enough financial position that they should be taking out loans from us and not just be taking handouts from us. That, yeah. that would make much more sense. Yeah. Okay, double number also, three.
1: Like, and, and to Copperhead's point here, like it, to me, the, that's not what the gospel of Jesus Christ's life was about anyway. And actually, most Jews mm-hmm. don't even believe Jesus was the Messiah.
2: I think that's part of it. And, the, that's and part the Son of, of God. By the way, specifically, I'm pretty sure.
1: Yeah. Um, Now, I, I mean, I, I obviously believe that Jews are the children of God. I mean, that's that's very explicitly stated. However, um, most of them don't even believe that He's the Messiah, and it's not. So, as a Christian, believing in Jesus, like your, the gospel of Jesus is is to exude love. Yeah. Love people. Love your enemies. You know. Love God. It's literally all about love. So I don't think helping Israel bomb a group of people. And I'm not saying Israel can't defend themselves. I, you know, I don't think we should be involved in either one. Yeah. And you're trying to make a case that it's okay to send our money to Israel because...
2: Based on religion.
1: Based on religion. Mm -hmm. You know, you should be against both of them. So if you're not religious,
2: can you skip out on those taxes? Yeah. Is that cool?
1: And also, are you saying there's no Christians in Ukraine that you shouldn't defend? Probably
2: some Christians. Yeah.
1: Like there's no logic. This is... The logical consistency is, is off the charts. <laughs> inconsistency, inconsistency, sorry. The logical yeah. inconsistency mm-hmm. is off the charts with both the left and the right.
2: The consistency is below the charts.
1: Yeah, it's, it's in hell. <laughs> Nina
2: Turner says, this is dumb in a couple different ways, but she says, if we can afford war, we can afford reparations. If we can afford war, we can afford Medicare for all. Blah, blah, blah. We can afford universal child care. We can afford college for all. We can afford universal basic income. Um, So if we can afford those things and we can afford all of these other things, number one. Actually, we can't. We can't afford (laughs) war or the other things, but we are going to find a way to put money into it. Second, uh, the cost of all those things is way more than we're going to spend on the war anyway. Even if I was going to take the stance that like, oh, we can afford to help our friends in these countries. Um, You're talking $113 billion of Ukraine so far and 14.3 is what they're talking about. Uh, which just passed the House yesterday, but not going to go through the Senate. Um, that's not enough to pay for the... Uh, I think they were talking about trillions of dollars worth of reparations is the the number people have come up with. And Medicare for all, of course, another trillions and trillions more. Uh, universal child care, college for all, more trillions. Universal basic income, literal multi-trillions every single year. Uh, so the... The math doesn't math on this mm. one either, even if you were going to support what we're doing with war. Yeah. You can look at what we spent in the Middle East for like the war on Tur. It's about 10 trillion. It's something like that. Mm-hmm. I've heard seven the 10 in the in Probably more actually. Because the DOD lost. Yeah. They're still well, trying to figure care. out their
1: accounting. We'll there's. never know how
2: much money's actually <laughs> gone out the window over there yeah. or in the trunk of someone's car. Yeah. But um, anyway, lost in the desert sand. Number one, we can't afford it because we don't have any money.
1: I mean, just with our current programs, we have we have like over 120 trillion dollars of unfunded liabilities. Yeah, that's on the books. It's a lot, by the way. Mm-hmm. Too so, many. To, that's the 10 trillion we spent on the war on terror. Let's just say it's 10 to make it even. That's less than 10 percent mm-hmm. of what our current programs are. Not not adding all these other ones. Medicare for all, universal child care, college for all, reparations, universal. Those are all additional programs. I mean, universal
2: basic income. To what income we already have. Alone, you're talking a couple trillion dollars a year for that. And you're talking trillions a year for Medicare for all.
1: I mean, if you give every person in the United States, well, let's say every taxpayer, $1,000 a month. So three, so 150 million people and $1,000, that's 1. 1.5 trillion. trillion. I believe. Something a month? like
2: that, possibly. No, not a month. No, no, no. We went way off on that. We're gonna need calculators on this. Someone with a calculator, let no, us know on. what the number is.
1: Hang on, that would be. No, so a thousand dollars. Andrew and you're, Yang's you're plan: one hundred and fifty million. So you're looking at a hundred. Oh yeah, it's one point. That's one. Andrew Yang's trillion.
2: plan was going to cost something like a, a couple trillion bucks or something, I believe. So uh, we can get a calculator out for that. That's dumb bleep number three. Nina Turner. She's I got I to do the math now. Hang yeah, on. yeah. Uh, number four. Got to keep going. Chris Christie. He's Once you still, get that big, it's hard to tell. I know. Too many zeros. Uh, Chris Christie is giving a speech because I guess he's still running for president. Uh, that's the thing that's happening. He's talking about free speech. And of course, we've had issues with people saying mean things about Israel, and people saying mean things about Jews. It's
1: 150 billion.
2: Yeah, a month. A month, and then it comes out. Yeah, I thought you so were doing a yearly calculation when we said that.
1: Just in universal basic income, and that's just to the 150 million yeah. taxpayers.
2: But if we can afford to give Israel 14 billion dollars, we can afford 1.5 trillion dollars. You know, yeah. you you know. It's the same thing. It's actually,
1: it it would be, it would be 1.8 trillion every year just for universal basic income. Exact same thing. And that's only giving 150 million people a thousand bucks a month.
2: Gosh, dang it. A thousand bucks a month. This whole time we forgot that math is racist. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, Okay. Who cares about the numbers? Let's move on. We got to go. It's 1134. Here's Chris Christie talking and he's upset about people saying mean things about Jews. Bye
0: and turning a blind eye to it. We know that they hide behind the falsity
2: of free speech. There is a difference, everyone, between free speech and hate speech. There is a difference oh between my free speech and violence. There is a difference between incitement and free speech. And what's going on in our college campuses today is not free speech. It is hate speech. (laughs) What's going on. And people are clapping. On our campuses today is. Did Did we not just go through a long period of time before this happened where people on the right were arguing that, number one, hate speech didn't exist. And number two, get over it. Free speech is so you can say things that people don't like anyway. So mind your own business. Should
1: there be a limit on how many times you can run for president?
2: Like once <laughs> this guy you lose, needs, this guy needs all the running he can get. Okay, once you,
1: Like once you lose, like let's say, I don't know, three presidential campaigns, like you can't run again. You know, it's like you didn't even, you didn't make it past 1% in three different presidential campaigns.
2: Yeah. However, if people want to keep throwing away their money <laughs> towards people, you imagine there are people who donate tons of money towards people's campaigns knowing for sure that they're I'm not talking about chipping in 20 bucks towards your local libertarian candidate on something. I'm talking about people giving over tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars from super PACs and stuff towards people that you literally know are not going to win. You know, But you're really buying favors. (sighs) You're buying favors from them in the other ways that they have power. But no, this whole hate speech thing, all of a sudden, listen, I get it. People have said really mean things about Jews lately over the last few weeks.
1: A Uh, lot. We don't like
2: it. Dumb, really dumb, hateful stuff. And they even say stuff about like wanting them to die, you know, stuff that I've said about socialists, you know, I've never said I wanted them to die you know, if just I wanted to be. do that, I'd just let them continue being socialists, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But um, that's a, uh, I, I don't like this idea all of a sudden that now, because you're saying the mean things about the Jews. Now, if you're actually, I guess, incitement, like real incitement, like really you're telling people, go kill that Jew, you know, that kind of thing.
1: And this is so, mm. and this is exactly why I'm going to re- reiterate the point why we talk about being principled and logically consistent on everything even though sometimes it's fun <laughs> like I got I will admit on this show that when Ron DeSantis took away Disney's land that was fun wasn't yes oh. to, to be like to, to almost punch back against like the woke
2: mm. I never I was too mad about it to the woke idiocy I'm
1: like it would be cool to have the power to be like oh you think you can do this watch this I'll take this away from you Part of the vengeance in me, my shadow, was like, "Yeah, <laughs> That's awesome. But because I'm a principled person, I'm like, that's wrong." Mm-hmm. And now, a lot of all these Republicans crap clapping at this idiot speech, you know, because they now want to use what the left was using against them. They want to punch back with the same thing, and be like, "Oh, well, this is hate speech." then if you're going to define hate speech, we're going to <clears throat> define it too. And you get into this political battle and rather than remaining logically consistent and principled and saying people can say things. You don't want other people telling you what you can and can't say. So you shouldn't be allowed to tell other people what they can and can't say. And so it's like you're just going to get into this uh, this constant battle where the right is going to be using the same taxes that the left is using. And all you're trying to do mm. is is plug in your Version of morality mm-hmm. on other people versus just being a principled person and saying I believe in ultimate free speech,
2: yeah, That's, or
1: or whatever the case is.
2: What people have I to believe realize, in private property. What people have to realize is that different people have the things that they care about, and for the right, right now it's it's uh, the Jews, and you don't want people saying the mean, genocidal things about Jews, and I like, get it; it's terrible. But also the left feels that way about guys who think they're girls, you know? And so when people on the right are out there being super mean about guys who are pretending to be girls all the time and saying mean stuff about how we shouldn't be doing these transitions and stuff like that, like that's the same way that Chris Christie feels about people talking about Jews right now. And so at the end of the day, it all comes down to who has the gun. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. And they're the ones that get to enforce their morality. I will say Republicans have a lot more guns. Yeah, they do. Yeah. All right, let's, uh, let's move, by the way, there's a community note on there saying that uh, the Supreme Court has consistently and repeatedly affirmed that there is no hate speech exception in the First Amendment. Uh, this one we'll do real quick because we got we to gotta go. MAGA! Dum- Dumb tweet number five. We're not even going to go into the article because honestly, the article barely had anything to do with the title. And you know what people do these days. They come up with the title because that's all that most people read. The title says something that people want to say to other people. And so people retweet or share or whatever the title of the thing. And most of the time, they, you end up not reading it. And so the title of this salon article is MAGA, And Christian nationalism, bigger threat to America than Hamas could ever be. And it's really just about a lot of political infighting and things. Now they bring up some of this alleged Mike Johnson guy. I don't think he's real. Mm. Um, And uh, this guy and how he feels about the gays and all that. And so they're talking about Christian nationalism. Of course, that's a bigger threat than uh, killing gay people, literally um, beheading so that's, gays. That's a great example <laughs> for everyone. You know, it's funny. Is when I started talking, I didn't I didn't plan on making that example, <laughs> that comparison at all. Yeah, but yeah, that's a, that's one of them. And um, we,
1: wherever you live, Brian? Why don't you just invite Hamas over to your gay party, Brian? Karim, Karim. Yeah. Would you say Karim or Karim? Karim. Okay, we'll do that. Just invite Hamas. Invite some Hamas. Apologists, yeah, over to your gay, your next gay party that you have, <laughs> and see what happens. Oh man! gay, and then gay see, parties
2: are the best. Though. And then invite some Everyone Christians. Knows that.
1: Invite some Christians. Invite some Hamas and some Christians, mm. and see which one kills you see first. See who beheads who. <laughs> <laughs> How I do don't even think take we, these people seriously. I don't,
2: I don't know, man. You don't. You don't take. Well, some people do. That's the problem. Some people think that this is a real thing. Oh. <sighs> Okay, speaking of, uh, let's do a couple things here. Well, let's play a couple videos. This one's called "The Misgendering" for Dumb Bleep Number Six. The first one's actually kind of funny. To be to be truthful with you, it's more of a white pill than a dumb bleep. But I guess the person's reaction. The background here is, if you can't see the video, is that there is a guy. There's a there's a biological male that has long hair and makeup on that is trying to do a TikTok filter that like accentuates accentuates your features and makes you like a prettier version of the the picture. And this person's getting really mad that the TikTok filter picks uh, has decided that he's a man <laughs> every time. So here's that Filter keeps misgendering me. Look. No. No fucking way. No way. mouth. Okay, we're gonna try this. <laughs> Hell
0: no. <laughs> oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, let's try again. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's
2: a good one.
1: Oh, it doesn't matter how much Botox he has either. You know, <laughs> The amount of Botox you put in your face doesn't decide what gender you are.
2: Okay, and then um, this one is uh, less white pill and more <laughs> infuriating. This is a person that is going around the restaurants with a, a, a phone set up and catching all the times that he gets misgendered because um, he is dressed up in what would be a traditional... Women's garments uh, with uh, curly hair and all that, and lipstick on, and is getting mad when uh, the misgendering takes place. It looks like uh, he's having a uh, nice feast. She, 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 her.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. It's all good. But it was not all good. Hi. I use she, her pronouns. I'm not, sir. Oh, so,
2: so. Yeah,
3: like it, it, it's like a knife in the heart. I also, I did specifically ask ahead of time not to be called sir.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to go. I use she, her pronouns. <laughs> um, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I specifically asked.
0: Okay, the so sweet water starts start, yes, at, okay. Not, I mean, not, I, I'm so sorry, I apologize.
1: you just
3: always like a knife. It always hurts, every single time. I was wondering if there's a manager I could talk to about something that happened. Yeah, I, I was called sir. Oh, okay. It just really sucks every time it happens. about that. I don't need to be called ma'am. I just need to not be called sir. Thank you. Did you call me sir? Hey, I, I just want to tell you that the person who gave me this called me sir. God. Called me sir. Oh. This. What a victim. Such a victim. Just like, it kind of just hurts a lot to get called sir
0: <laughs>
3: very good right, thank, thank you so you much sir. no oh i'm yeah thank you i'm not a sir <sighs> nothing like a good misgendering it does it is a knife in the gut when i get called sir i, I feel like i need to tell him i
2: need just, to tell yeah just have a good man of the man conversation hurt. with it him. hurts
3: more though and it's not intentional because it means like this the, this is sir to him. I know you didn't mean it, but I am not a sir. I'm so sorry. It's okay. I know you didn't mean it. It's just, you know, it hurts. I know when people clock me, it's it's fine, but like it doesn't hurt. <laughs> okay,
2: I'm done with this. <laughs> I'm done.
1: Oh God. All
2: There's right. nothing
1: to even be said. No. You don't I have don't, to say
2: anything. I don't think we have to explain. Yeah. Why that's dumb. Um, uh, all right, I'm not a sir. We're going to go through this one really fast. Also, uh, there was an executive order that we could have talked about more this week, and it is the biggest executive order. This is like a hundred and twenty-something-page executive order on AI. It's that not law Definitely not, didn't write. Not a law. Well, yeah, it's not a law, Jack. Okay, so look, uh, this one is about AI, and one of the provisions very important is uh, advancing equity and civil rights. So they're mm. going to govern the people making AI. Uh, go ahead, Charlie.
1: President Biden has signed an executive order that will, that will require AI companies to, quote, address algorithmic discrimination. You know those algorithms. So you're saying that these computers <clears throat> are discriminating. Mm-hmm. And to ensure that AI advances equity, they want to embed the principles of CRT and DEI into every aspect of AI. So, advancing equity and civil rights this from the uh the order irresponsible uses of AI can lead to and deepen discrimination, bias and other abuses in justice, healthcare and housing. Are you so these computers are mis- misgendering people. There's no telling. The Biden Harris administration has already taken action by publishing the blueprint for an AI Bill of Rights and issuing an executive order directing agencies to combat al- algorithmic discrimination while enforcing existing authorities to protect people's rights and safety. To ensure that AI advances equity and civil rights, the president directs the following additional actions. Provide clear guidance to landlords, federal benefits programs, and federal contractors to keep AI algorithms from being used to exacerbate discrimination.
2: Now, I have to... so to exacerbate discrimination. And what they mean by discrimination is that you would, for, for an AI having to do with landlords, contractors, stuff like that, to discriminate against someone, what they mean is it's going to look at the data and it's going to make decisions based on what it's told to do as an AI, like a company says, find me the best landlord, find me the best tenants for this property. And it's going to look at these parameters. The parameters could be things like past, convictions, credit rating, things like evictions. evictions, stuff like that. And the AI is going to say, well, okay, well, we looked at all this and it turns out this person who doesn't have all this stuff is better. And so they're going to call that discrimination because there's going to be a disproportionate people that are minorities that are going to be affected by if a computer does what human beings used to do before they would get in trouble for it. Yeah. So that's what they mean by making sure that you advance equity is not paying attention to the data that's necessary to run a good business in these fields. So.
1: The first thing it looks at, Hmm. though, is skin color, obviously. Oh,
2: yeah. It's the first thing. No, these (laughs) are,
1: it's looking at the choices that people have made. Mm -hmm. Literally, it's analyzing choices people have made in their life and whether or not they would be a good fit.
2: Okay. Don't bleep number eight. (sighs) Okay. America. This is from MSNBC. America has a revenue problem. Blame George W. Bush and Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Even though the national debt is rising, spending can't be blamed.
1: Nothing to do with spending.
2: When jobs are plentiful and business profits soar, that means good news for federal tax revenues. At least that's how it's supposed to work. For 15 years after the Tax Reform Act of 1986 went into effect, that's exactly what happened changes in the U.S. unemployment rate were a strong predictor of changes in our federal tax revenues as a percentage of GDP. A drop in the unemployment rate caused revenues as a percentage of GDP to increase. But since the beginning of the 21st century, a series of tax cuts under the President George W. Bush and Donald Trump have shattered the link between tax revenues and employment. So what they mean is, when unemployment goes down, more people are working, which means there's more money coming in through payroll taxes and income taxes. So if you see unemployment go down... You should see tax revenues go up as a share of the total gross domestic product, all the, the production services in our economy at that time. Mm -hmm. That's what they're talking about, but we're not seeing that starting around 2000.
1: And we're not going to look into how we calculate unemployment.
2: (laughs) No, no, we're not going to look at that at all. Okay. Used to when the numbers went down, the tax receipts as a percentage of the GDP went up. And Mm -hmm. now when the unemployment rate goes down, The answer is tax cuts were bad. Mm -hmm. Okay. After news that the federal deficit grew despite a strong economy and rising interest rates, there are renewed fears about the nation's fiscal outlook. With these fears typically come calls to reduce spending. But the U.S. doesn't have a spending problem. It has a revenue problem caused by tax cuts, Mm -hmm. says this person. Now, they go into these years between 1995 and 2000, uh, the time when the unemployment rate fell, the Revenues rose from 18% to 20% of GDP. So as we're talking about these numbers, I first have to tell you, I have no clue how they got to this 18% to 20% of GDP. According to the Federal Reserve, the number has never been that high. It's only ever been about 19.5%. The only way that they could do that is if they're taking something out of the GDP, I think, uh, or if they're keeping something now out of the revenues collective. Even the sources that this person provides under the graphs that they put in here uh, still provide numbers that don't match what's written down in the article. So I have not figured that part out. When the unemployment fell a similar amount between 2015 and 2019, uh, going from 5.4 to 3.7, revenues dropped from 17.9 down to 6.3. That's the equivalent of taking in the equivalent of taking in $450 billion less per year. Why did this happen? Because during the same time, the Bush tax cuts and their extensions and later the Trump tax cuts slash taxes significantly lower, lowering overall revenue, which is not true. The revenue has continued to just go up and up. Um, yep. Anyway, importantly, a disproportionate share of the benefits from these cuts accrued to very rich Americans. You could also say that as the benefits of the tax cuts accrue to people who pay taxes. <laughs> profitable corporations who pay taxes because they're profitable and wealthy heirs to thrones, all the thrones around, the, uh, <laughs> around America. Yeah. Um, we don't have to go through why they're talking about the deficit and all that. I just wanted to show you, so you get the main idea of the article. We don't have a spending problem. We have a tax problem. Uh, The taxes are too low. Uh, But when you, I guess we can read the last paragraph. The first step in, in effecting change is proper diagnosis. Those who look to blame spending to close the primary deficit are looking in the wrong place. If not for the regressive tax cuts initiated under Bush and Trump, we would have been looking at a stable debt to GDP ratio. Any discussion of how to change our fiscal path should focus first on generating additional revenue. Lost. To these tax cuts,
1: oh, I just hate how the they call it revenue.
2: Yeah, that's, <coughs> that Ugh. part sucks. So there's like a there's a really weird thing that they do here. They show the revenues as a percentage of GDP for 2023 at 16.5 percent. None of the numbers back up this number. Uh, the number is actually a little over 19 percent. That's important because it undercuts the entire idea behind their article. Even the they gave a um, <clears throat> they gave a source. For this and the source said 19.2% or whatever it was. So I, I don't know where they're just deciding to cut something out or put something else in and come up with 16.5. That's important because the entire argument makes no sense because according to the Federal Reserve, we are currently at 19, a little over 19% right now with our uh tax revenue to GDP, tax receipts to GDP right now. This is something that we talked about like a month or so ago. Mm -hmm. That's important because uh, historically, we sit around 17, 17 and a half percent. And we're actually at a height right now that we've only hit four years, for four years in the history of the United States. That's the amount of money that the government is taking out of the productive economy through some type of taxation. And we are actually a little over 19% right now. Like I said, there are only four years in US history where we are at 19% or above. What's also going on right now is we are at 24% of our GDP is getting spent. So we're spending 24% of our GDP and we are taking in 19% of our GDP in taxes. So I had no clue what this person's talking about. Charlie brought up the very first thing that you should look at when they... Their idea is that, well, the unemployment rate went down and we should be making more money, and we're not, therefore blame the tax cuts. The thing is... And I
1: love the last paragraph when it's like, it has to be a proper diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. well, your diagnosis is wrong.
2: But they don't talk about the labor force participation rate, which is what you should actually look at. So they talk about the unemployment rate going down. In uh, 1995 to 2000, the labor force participation rate was around sixty seven percent Something behind my uh, amazingly placed circle that I put on the graph, 67point something. And then uh, during the other time they talked about, which was 2015 to 2019, I believe we're around 62.3 or something, 62 and a half, uh, around that time. So I know that those numbers don't sound really really. different. People
1: stopped looking and stopped, um, they, and stopped, well, they stopped working and stopped looking. So now they're no longer accounted in unemployment, which means unemployment goes down.
2: Yes. And (laughs) so you can't just say that that's automatically going to equal taking in more money because the unemployment rate going down does not mean that a bigger percentage of the labor force is working. It just means that they're not counted as unemployed anymore. And so it's just a... And for someone to come off so freaking pompous and better than all of us and properly diagnosing the problem and all of that to not bring in that simple fact right there that the year they compared it to the year 2000 was the highest our labor force participation rate has ever been in the history of the United States. And right now we are back down to uh, the 70s or 60s or something like that with our labor force participation rate. And so no, you can't just use the unemployment rate to diagnose the fact that we have a revenue problem.
1: Look, I'm not (sighs) saying, I I will also... Let me be clear here and say that, like, if okay, if you have a business or your household, your household, and you have a debt problem or or something happening, uh, looking to increase revenues is not a bad thing to do. Sure. So, but the problem is the government steals money. Mm
2: -hmm. So that is a problem. When
1: when they're looking to increase revenue, it's that how much more theft can I get? But if you're in your house or a business or whatever, obviously, if you have a solvency problem. Then you're going to look to increase revenues and cut spending, but you, mm-hmm. you got to do both. Right? Otherwise you go under.
2: Yeah, it's not like the credit card company says they call you and they're like, hey, your your bill's like, wait, we need you to pay this bill. And you're like, no, no, I've got a revenue problem. Yeah. It's... Like, no, we need yeah. you to, you gotta get this. You're Talk spending. to my customers that aren't spending money. Yeah. The bank, the <laughs> bank calls and said, listen, your spending is out of control right now. you you got deficits every month right now. And you're like, no. Sir, bank, tell her, I've got a revenue problem. They don't care. <laughs> right. You got to spend less money. That's the answer. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, get the votes in. Get those votes in real quick. We got AR-15s for one. Number two was uh, Matt Gates's Holy War. Number three is Nina Turner. If we can afford anything, we can afford everything. Number four is Chris Christie's free speech. Number five is uh, MAGA Hamas. Same thing. Actually, MAGA's worse. Number six is the misgendering. Number seven is AI equity. And number eight is our revenue problem. Go to the Dumb Bleep voting channel Mm -hmm. and get those votes. There's really not much to
1: say because I don't want anyone to join the Fed Haters Club by going to join gnml.com because I don't want your money. You don't want it. Nope. Mm -mm. Don't need it. No. We don't have a revenue problem
2: (laughs) here. No, we don't. (laughs) No, we don't need more revenue.
1: (laughs) The money's flowing in like, honey on milk you know that's don't go pick up a t-shirt at GodhatesFeds.com either definitely yeah, not there's no reason why you want to no. do that sounds like nate's going to be creating a new one um that's really an old one yeah people want to buy it from us so ron paul was right we're
2: gonna make it t-shirt
1: so if i you wish want... you do that
2: for everything you guys want a new iphone i'll make one of those that's, too <laughs> exactly. you can buy it from us that way you don't buy it from anyone else yeah
1: don't buy it from <laughs> communist <laughs> apple you know um, and don't leave us a rating and review or share the show. That's the way I feel about it. Looks like, uh, we have a tie. Oh, the tie has been broken. Misgendering wins.
2: Miss, all right, Nate, get him out miss, of here. Um, it's Mr. Gendering. Mr. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thank you for hanging out today. It was a, it was a fun episode. I hope everyone has a great weekend. Uh, do all of the things that Charlie said not to do. Uh, because that's the best thing for the future of humanity. Uh, So go ahead and do that. And if you do every single one of those things, and I mean every single one of them, then we will be right back here on Monday. Until then, have a good day and a good morning. Liberty.